0: you'll get an email with a bunch of amazing goodies, the one-page Future Self checklist, the full Future Self course, which will change your life, and other things such as the Peak State Checklist and my ebook, Slipstream Time Hacking, futureself.com. Let's go ahead and jump into this episode of the Be Your Future Self podcast. Four profound quotes that if you start to understand these, then you're gonna start to truly be able to evolve and mature as a person, such that you're gonna be able to make massive leaps in your life. These are deep quotes, And most people who are even adults never truly comprehend the level that are in these four quotes. There's a model that I want to share with you before I even go into these four quotes. It's from the Harvard psychologist, Robert Keegan. And what Robert Keegan has found is there's a three-step model that he developed, and most people get stuck on levels one or two in what he calls mental complexity. Mental and emotional complexity is the ability to handle complexity. There's a quote, and it's not one of the four quotes we're going to go into, but it's that It is a rate of a high intelligent mind to be able to handle conflicting ideas at the same time and build a function. Most people, they can't handle conflicting ideas. Usually, if a person believes something, they'll believe that that is the truth and that opposing ideas are either wrong or bad, or they won't even notice them. And so what Robert Keegan is talking about with this model is is that the more mental and emotional complexity you can handle, the more you can grow and develop your belief system and ultimately let go of things which no longer work. So his model basically starts with what he calls the socializing self. The socializing self is where you're basically dependent on other people. This is like teenagers, but a lot of adults get stuck at this level too, where they just simply believe what other people believe. They see what other people see and they're primarily a product of their environment and they're mostly just, they don't question what's around them. They don't question their being the product of their environment. They don't question... They're mostly just trying to be accepted, honestly, and, and they're operating out of fear. And so they're just going with the flow and being who others have led them to be. This is, this is kind of the most animal form of being a human, where you're basically the, almost the direct byproduct of your own environment. Above socializing self is what Keegan calls authoring self, which is where you actually start to develop your own view of the world. You start to develop your own goals and agendas. The challenge with this view Is First off, it's highly competitive. It's you versus the world. And also, you do have a mental frame of the world. You have an agenda, you have goals, but you can't see outside of that agenda. So you actually believe that your view of the world is the truth, not just a view. You believe that what you believe is absolutely correct and you don't question it, nor do you even have the ability to step out of your view and analyze it. You just have your own view of the world and you assume that that's the reality, that's the truth, and that other people who disagree with you are wrong. So the highest level, which is what Keegan calls the transforming self, very few people, probably like less than 5% of individuals, leaders, organizations reach the level of mental complexity of the transforming self, where you start to be able to get out of your own worldview and start to realize that you just have a subjective view. That what you see is not necessarily the world, but it's more yourself. I love the quote, and again this is not one of the four quotes we're going to dive into, but it's, it's similar, which is you don't see the world as it is, you only see your own reaction to it. So once you get to this transforming self level, first off, a key aspect of being at this level is that you're not afraid of the truth. There's a great quote in Alcoholics Anonymous, again not one of the quotes, but all progress starts by telling the truth. Once you reach the higher transforming self level, you're no longer avoiding the truth. All motivations can be broken up into either approach or avoid. And most people actually avoid looking at the mirror. They avoid observing their own behavior and seeing where it's conflicting with what they want in their life. They're avoiding peeling back the layers and looking at their hidden commitments or assumptions or beliefs about the world. Instead, they just remain ignorant of those things or avoid going deeper down. Once you get to the higher levels, of mental complexity and being in the transforming stage, you're actually very open to feedback. You want feedback. You want to see your blind spots. You want to uh, get feedback. You want to analyze and and deconstruct your own beliefs and, and see where those came from, see your hidden commitments. By the way, from a psychological standpoint, your identity is what you're most committed to. And so we all have hidden commitments. We all have commitments that we developed a long time ago, commitments to being a certain way. Maybe you see yourself as someone who's, I'm a really relaxed person, or I'm uptight, or I work hard, or I outwork everyone else, or I'm not that smart, right? We all have these hidden commitments that then lead to our behaviors. But those hidden commitments came from belief systems that we developed. And a belief is simply a thought that you've put a lot of trust in. You went from thinking about something to feeling and then ultimately quote unquote knowing. It's a, a thought that you've put a lot of trust in such that you know it is quote unquote true. But it's a lowercase true, meaning it's true for you, but it's subjective. It's not actually true. It's just what you think is true. And so once you get to the higher level of the transforming self, not only do you have a worldview, of course we all have a worldview, but you can step out of that and you can analyze your own worldview and start to peel it away. You can start, you can look at your own behaviors and and look at them from a like a, an outward perspective you can observe your thoughts and your feelings and your behaviors without overly identifying with your thoughts feelings and behaviors this 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 higher level is also akin to what psychologists would call psychological flexibility which is viewing yourself as a context which is continually changing rather than viewing yourself solely as content if you view yourself just as content then you ignore context and you then put yourself in a box with that said i'm going to now go into the four quotes but the main thing here is is that once you understand these quotes, you realize something very powerful. You realize that if you can change how you see things, the things you see will change. That's actually a great quote from, uh, from Wayne Dyer, where he says, if you change the way you see things, the things you see change. Once you change how you see the world, you'll change what you see. You'll also change what you notice. You'll change what becomes possible. Being able to step outside the frame of your views and even analyzing your views. Um, this is why journaling is so powerful, but also just thinking genuinely. If you look at your behaviors, without emotion, without being judgmental, but just saying, this is what I'm doing, but what are the hidden commitments that I made in the past, my former self that's now leading to these behaviors? And then what are the beliefs that I have that are driving these behaviors? But also what are the beliefs I have which are stopping me from doing what I really want to do? We all have very limiting beliefs, but those beliefs are not the truth. They're just thoughts that we began to trust such that we think that they're true. And so you can absolutely change your beliefs and you can start to look at things from different angles and say, what if that's not true, or what if, what if what if I believed that instead? And you can then then you can start to form your own beliefs, and then start to be guided by higher levels. And then you can start to uncommit, uncommit to the things your past self held on to or clings to, identities and ideals. Again, whatever you're most committed to is your identity. It's the story you hold for yourself. It's also the standards, the values, and the beliefs that you're most committed to. And you can't get from one level to another by clinging to the same views as you once had. And so it becomes very powerful as you want to transform and grow as a person to let go of your former beliefs. I was actually just walking around my neighborhood today and was pondering and meditating and I just thought about some of the beliefs I've held which have led to the commitments I've made and ultimately the behaviors and thinking, what if I believed something totally different? What if I believed something way more empowering or way more beautiful? Just because I believe something doesn't mean it's actually true and I have a very limited view of the world, and so I actually have false beliefs about everything. Even God, which I believe God is real, doesn't mean that I have true beliefs about God. I could study and study and study, but I still have my own limited subjective view. It's important for me to continually be humble and be a student and and to uncover where my beliefs are limiting me. So that's it. Now I'm going to go to the quotes, and we're just going to go through these four quotes and break them down. First quote comes from Stephen R. Covey. This is in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is just pure psychology right here. It says, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, or as we are conditioned to see it. When we open our mouths to describe what we see, we in effect describe ourselves, our perceptions, and our paradigms. This was something I learned in a psychology class, which was funny. One of my psych- one of my psychology professors said that when a person, say a man, says how beautiful a woman is, he's not actually describing the woman, he's actually describing himself. So this is what Covey is saying is, When we open our mouths to describe what we see, we in effect describe ourselves. And so we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. You don't see the world as it is, you see it subjectively through your lens and your lens is very skewed. None of us see things accurately. This is just a really important perspective and this allows you to not believe everything you think or everything you feel or everything you see. Again, you're the context, not the content. That's what psychological flexibility is all about. Once you understand this, then you can be open. And part of having a growth mindset is being open. It's about, I I like how Brene Brown said it, rather than needing to be right, you're trying to get it right. And if you're trying to get it right, then you know that right now you don't have all the answers. And that's absolutely a beautiful place to be. It's a beautiful place to be in, in the middle of continuous growth and learning. It also allows you to see how much you've grown from your past self, that you're not the same person you were even a week ago or a month or a year ago, you see things differently. And you continue to grow. And once you embrace this idea, then you become a lot more flexible at not fully believing everything you, you think about a situation, but you can kind of peel yourself back and start to examine and start to be a lot more open, a lot more mindful of the situation. So that rather than being just, you know, you're stuck seeing things one way, you can actually open yourself up to maybe questioning that, maybe opening up getting different people's perspectives and starting to open yourself to better and better perspectives. And all of these quotes build off of each other, by the way. This is a Mark Twain quote where he said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. So this goes to the idea of false beliefs. And we all have beliefs that we are absolutely sure are true, which just ain't so. I actually love the book, and it's a book that I've been diving into a lot lately called Out of the Maze by Spencer Johnson. It's the follow-up to Who Moved My Cheese? That book just is an explanation of in order to get from one place to another, you can't believe the things that got you here. It's kind of like what got you here won't get you there. Well, the beliefs that got you here are not going to necessarily be the beliefs that get you there, because if you want to achieve new and different things, the beliefs that you're now holding are actually going to hold you hostage. They're going to stop you from opening yourself up for what's possible. This is a a challenge that everyone has because by nature, beliefs are something you believe to be true. It's a thought that you've put a lot of emotional trust in such that you believe that it's true. And it's good to believe things. It's good to have beliefs. Uh, A lot of people think that beliefs are good or bad. That's not necessarily true. Beliefs are, are useful at certain times and places, but they can become limiting and not useful if you don't expand it or adjust it or change it. It's not about good or bad necessarily, but it's just about it becomes constraining if you, if you won't adjust and adapt how you see the world. A lot of people know, know things absolutely for sure that just aren't true. And so this is about just being humble and open and going to that higher place of mental complexity where you can work things out at a higher level. Next quote is from William James. He is the father of American psychology, one of the most prominent psychologists in the world. He said, millions of items in the outward order, this means like the outside world, outward order are present to my senses, which never properly enter into my experience. Why? Because they have no interest for me. My experience is what I agree to attend to. Only those items which I notice shape my mind. Without selective interest, experience is an utter chaos. So this hits the idea of what psychologists call selective attention. There's also a connected idea, which is called inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness is the idea that there are things all over the place, which you don't see because, according to James, they have no interest for you. Your experience is what you agree to attend to or what you're choosing to pay attention to. Again, that's selective attention. As an example with with inattentional blindness, I've heard the quote, and I really like it, that there are, people are so busy going for the bronze coins that they miss the gold coins all around them. There are gold coins all over the place. There are You know million or billion dollar opportunities all over the place but you don't see those because that's not what you're paying attention to that's not what you're committed to that's not what you've been conditioned to see that's not what you believe is possible going to the idea of beliefs lead to hidden commitments and those hidden commitments are your identity and ultimately what you commit yourself to as a person so you have beliefs that shape what you pay attention to and what you pay attention to is what you get committed to which ultimately is what drives your life and so we all have that filter of the world and your filter determines what you see, but it also determines what you don't see. So you're looking for the bronze coins, and because that's what your filter is based upon, you won't notice the gold coins. It doesn't pick your your filter. Your filter is like a radar, and it doesn't pick those things up. And so this is a really powerful perspective because you can change your selective attention. You can change what you're looking for. If you started to open yourself up to new beliefs about what's possible and started to uh, get really clear on what you want, you could start to focus on that, and then you'll start to see it everywhere. Selectively, you'll start to pick those things up in the outside world. Even though it was all around you, you didn't notice it before. The most basic example I can think of of this is just driving on a car, like driving down the road. But you can, you will do this in all cases. But as an example, when my kids started to love Teslas, like not too long ago, all of a sudden they started seeing Teslas all over the place. Um, but but the truth was is the Teslas were always there. We just didn't notice them. You could do this with any car. Whenever you want a new car, you'll start to see that car everywhere. And this is actually one of the signs that you are on your way to your future self, is is that once you get clear on what you want and you start to one one of the really interesting components is is that is the impact of language on all of this, that our language shapes our perception. There's a a lot of research on this. There's a concept called generative language, which is language that, that literally shapes the future that you want. It generates the future. Um, There's a great book on this called The Three Laws of Performance. And in that book, they talk about how we all have a default future. Our default future is the future that we most expect will happen. It's not necessarily what we want to happen, but it's just what we we subconsciously expect will happen. And a lot of that has to do with the language we use. And if you listen to a lot of the language people use, people use language that's very past-based, uh, or very based on their current situation. It's not very future-based. Generative language is about imagining a future you want and then using language to shape that future. Using language, the words you use, to inform your your perspective. And in large part, it is your language that shapes your perspective. Then that language shapes your your thoughts, your views, and ultimately your actions and your identity. And think about it from an identity perspective. Your identity is the narrative you use to describe yourself. And so if you change the language, if you change the narrative, you would change the frame. One thing to do if you want to change your selective attention and start getting better outcomes is to, first off, pull back. Uh, a big aspect of mindfulness is becoming aware of, of yourself and becoming aware of your outward environment. Great book on the subject is called Mindfulness by Dr. Ellen Langer. She was a, a very famous Harvard psychologist for many years. She was amazing. But it's really an, it's an awareness of context and how that context is impacting you. One aspect of mindfulness is just becoming aware of your own self, becoming aware of your patterns, becoming aware of what you see. Maybe if you want to get really a, uh, aware of your own default future, just start to look at what are you seeing all the time? If you're watching this video, it means that you're seeing this. What is What does this video say about your selective attention? If this video is in your perspective field, then that has to do with your future. If you're around people who are criminals, and if that's what you're constantly seeing, then that's what you're paying attention to, right? That's what you've been conditioned to see. And so you can choose better things to want, and then you can start to use language about this is what I want. Start to write about it, journal about it, think about it. You go from thinking to feeling to knowing. This is how a new belief is shaped, this is that you you think a new thought, and then you 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 hold on to it long enough to see if you can trust it, and, and trust it long enough to see if you believe it. I also love the quote from Neville Goddard. Neville Goddard said, assume the feeling of your wish fulfilled. Another quote from Covey is, mental creation precedes physical creation. It's the idea of, in order to create a house, you have to build a blueprint first. The blueprint is the mental creation. It's the thought that precedes the creation. All things that were created, this book, for example, uh, was a thought before it was physically created. This journal, this pen, this microphone, this shirt, even this video, was a thought before it was physically created. Anything that you see was first a thought, mental creation precedes physical creation, But an important aspect of that is emotional creation. This is when it goes from a thought to a belief, thinking to feeling to knowing. In order to actually mentally and then emotionally create something, you have to not only see it, you you meditate on it, you visualize it, but then emotionally you've got to get to a place where you believe it. I actually like the quote from Napoleon Hill in the book, Think and Grow Rich, where he says, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, the mind can achieve. In order for you to believe something, you simply have to trust in it. You have a thought, but then you go from thinking to feeling to knowing. Usually people don't create the goals that they want because even though they can maybe visualize it, one obvious challenge is that people don't visualize very much. They don't visualize their future self very much. I've hit this a lot in my videos, but most of the research shows in psychology that people rarely visualize and think about their future self. And because they don't think about their future self very much, they don't have very much imagination. What they do is is they project the present onto the future. And what that means is is that they assume that who they are now is who they're always going to be. Rather than thinking about the future that they want and then reverse engineering that and starting to be their future self now, most people, because they're not imaginative about the future, they just project the present. They just think that who they are now is who they're always going to be. And they just think like what life is now is what it's going to be in the future, which is a non-powerful way of living life. A much more powerful way to live life is to use imagination and think about what you want and and explore new potentials and then question the beliefs that you have right now, which would radically limit those potentials. And then that's the mental creation side, which is becoming a lot more mentally you know, flexible enough to visualize and think about what you want. But then emotionally, one of the reasons people don't get what they want is maybe they can visualize it, but emotionally they don't believe they're worthy of it. I love the quote from Dr. David Hawkins. He said that your unconscious will only allow you to have what you believe you deserve. And so the second component of getting from, you know, back to the Napoleon Hill quote, which is whatever the mind can conceive and believe. Getting to the believe component is simply a matter of going from thinking to feeling to knowing. Back to the quote from Neville Goddard, assume the feeling of your wish fulfilled. This is why gratitude is is very powerful feeling good about your thought but feeling grateful for it and and then ultimately trusting the new belief you have to have a new belief in order to support the new visualized goal if if you make call it you know 50 grand a year but you want to make 500 or 5 million your current beliefs don't support that and because your current beliefs don't support that your beliefs shape your commitments which your commitment is your identity which shapes your behavior your behavior is going to be is going to continue to stay at the level you're at Unless, first off, you visualize the goal, but then you have to think, what are the beliefs that would, what I would need to have to support that? I would need to believe that I can do that, and that it's possible, and that I'm worthy of that. And you start to think that through until you eventually start to feel good about, and then trust the new belief, and therefore the new identity. And then you can start to let go of your former self, and your former views, and your former commitments, which are holding you hostage, holding you in your current place. This is where you start to have a future-present orientation, where the future is dictating what you see and what you do in the present. This is letting your future drive your present. This is being your future self now. And as you define and identify your future self and start to emotionally get to a place where you believe you're worthy of it, and you accept it, and you start to believe it, then you'll start to see it everywhere. Hence, selective attention. This is the final quote, and it hits everything I've just been talking about, which is Albert Einstein, where he said, Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited to all that we now know and understand while imagination embraces the entire world and all that there ever will be to know and understand. So this is the idea that most things that we call knowledge or facts are simply beliefs or selective subjective perspectives that from one angle may be considered a fact, but from another angle are not. Imagination allows you to visualize a new future. It also allows you to visualize a new past that you can see different meanings and perspectives and angles. There is that quote that something along the lines of growing and maturing is not about seeing new things, but it's about seeing the same things from a thousand different views, right? It's about having the maturity to see things that you thought were once one way, but now you see it from a different angle. But also imagination also allows you to see new futures, see new potentials, but also it allows you to think about your own beliefs and imagine new beliefs and create new beliefs and then to get to the place where you put trust in better beliefs and assumptions about yourself in the world, which would allow you to have a new identity, a new view of yourself, and a new view of what's possible. The word impossible simply means it's something that you don't believe is possible. It's it's your own belief. In order for you to achieve what you currently believe to be impossible, you have to shift your belief on it such that with a new belief, it is possible. And then you got to get to a point where you trust that new belief such that it can inform your identity. Your identity is what you commit yourself to. And it's also what you don't commit yourself to, which then leads to your language and your filter of the world and what you see. And then you'll start to see it. And as you move toward it, commitment leads to courage. You're willing to try things that are different from your past self. Rather than being stuck in what psychologists would call the principle of consistency, which leads people to being their past self, you start operating from the future, which leads to commitment and courage which leads to, you know, embracing a growth mindset, which embraces failure, which embraces feedback, which embraces novelty, which embraces seeing things from new angles, which is trying to get it right versus trying to be right. This is about having a growth mindset. It's about transforming yourself. It's amazing what you can do in a short period of time. And I've been trying this on for size lately, um, looking at my beliefs and the beliefs that are leading to my commitments, which are leading to my behaviors and questioning those and then expanding those beliefs and thinking about. What, what do I think is currently impossible, which I'm not even considering, which is not even on my radar because I think it's impossible or because I haven't expanded my perspective. And what would happen if I started to entertain new thoughts and come to go from thinking to feeling to knowing, trusting in those new thoughts such that they become beliefs that can support me living at a much higher level. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Your Future Self podcast. I'm Dr. Benjamin Hardy, author of Be Your Future Self Now. Be sure to go to futureself.com, put your email in, and get immediate access to all the goodies. The one-page Future Self cheat sheet, which I recommend you print and put somewhere close by so that you can reference it. The full Future Self course and other goodies, such as my Peak State Checklist, which has been downloaded almost a million times, and my ebook, Slipstream Time Hacking. Go to futureself.com, get those free goodies, and until next time, be your future self now. Talk to you soon.